Welcome to Tea for Lunch, a <laughs> weekly show powered by Arcade Studios. Each week, we'll serve you the stories that we're following on social media, entertainment, celebrity, and tech in 15 minutes or less. You can catch the show live on Instagram every Wednesday about at about 12.30 Mountain Standard Time, or you can tune in to podcast providers or YouTube and catch the replay. And this week, we're your hosts, Mitzi and... Mike. <laughs> Mr. Payne. <laughs> Mr. Payne. 50% co-host of Tea for Lunch. <laughs> I'd say 25 these days. 50% co-owner, <laughs> co-owner, 25% co-owners. Co-owner is better, yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyways, yeah. what's up? Well, I mean, tomorrow is December. I know. It's crazy. The last month of the year, every time at this year, well, for one, I'm very excited because we're finally officially in holiday season. And I feel like I spent all of November looking for like holiday playlists, holiday movies, all the holiday stuff to like listen and watch. And now it's just like being served to me at the forefront of every app. And I'm so happy about it. And there's so much... And we should consume. also be clear that holiday season started for us literally as soon as Halloween was over. Yeah. I feel like because it gets so cold here, like why not start yeah. early? And we were all sick, like our whole I family. Know. I know everyone's been sick lately, but our whole family was sick for like three weeks. We took turns. So one weekend we were just like, screw it. Let's put up this Christmas tree. Yeah. We don't care what people say. We're one of the few parents at Arcade. And because of that, we were sick way more than everyone else on the team because our daughter is constantly catching something at daycare. And I feel like... Everyone assumes that we're just like sick all the time, which every parent is sick all the time. Like that's just the normal during the like winter. Like their kids are all sick, so their parents are all sick. Parents need to have a good vitamin regimen. Check in on the parents in your life because their their kids are likely sick and they're probably sick too. Check their pantry because they should have a multivitamin for sure. They should have vitamin D going on, especially in the winter. You should also talk about supplements. Like there's but, all sorts of like mushrooms and stuff that you can yeah, get into. I'm not talking about microdosing. Zinc, elderberry syrup. That stuff is actually kind of good. I was going to say it's garlic nasty. and onions. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on yeah, the show. Yeah, we need to talk about this because this is <laughs> wild. I'm like, this video popped up on my For You on TikTok, and it's this like the onion lady who basically talks about the benefits of onions and how like they like bloom and pick up all the toxins in the room. So, this isn't like a doctor though, this is no. like a crazy lady. No, it's not TikTok. a crazy lady, it's just like an old wives' tale, and she's like tested it, and she also has like some science backing it. So, this isn't just like some random lady, like she's she's like an herbalist, there- I'd say. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. She looks like an herbalist. Yeah. So what you do is you cut up an onion and you put it in the rooms of like your kids or your room. And it like the onions like pull in all the toxic toxins in the air and purify it and people feel better. And you stop coughing. Yeah. Yeah. It actually worked. I'm not, I'm not knocking it by saying that lady's unhinged, but, but it was a little bit unorthodox when I first heard about it. Yeah. I think and the amount of things that you've told me that you saw on your for you page on TikTok. Some of it's like, oh, that sounds legit. Some of it's like, that sounds questionable. This one sounded questionable, but it's I'm legit. A believer now. It's a legit, and like people are going as far as like cutting up onions and putting them in their socks. Would you ever <laughs> sleep with onions in your socks? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would love to see you do that. I just feel like the chances of purifying the air in my socks are just slim to none. So, <laughs> well, apparently it's supposed to help. You're not supposed to do it to baby babies, but like. Some kids, I think over five or something, it's okay. But then what's really funny is my For You page is like all about like moms and their sick kids right now. 
there's also like actual doctors like pediatricians showing up on my for you page making fun of people who put onions in their kids socks and then they give all these like other like i don't know suggestions for what to do to fight sickness so interesting it's it's yeah the world it's a polarized place (laughs) it's a polarized place politics onions in your socks all of it yeah i mean i'm not if i'm sick i'll try anything so i would try it yeah we were down we were at that point Mm -hmm. we'll take whatever we can get yeah. But we're healthy now. We got multivitamins. We got supplements. And uh, our immune systems are doing Onions pretty well. Onions and garlic, too. I'm swallowing that. <laughs> You're swallowing it? <laughs> yeah. I, you were there. I swallowed onion cloves straight. I thought that was a one-off, but... No, I'm, I might do it tonight. All right. Anyways, on from swallowing <laughs> garlic and back to the end of the year. Yeah. We got some interesting stories coming up. Oh, Spotify Wrapped is happening. It's Wrapped season. Happy Wrapped season to everyone but Michael Payne, Where who doesn't Apple, use Apple Music Spotify. I don't know. I just don't really find Spotify to be it for me. And like wrapped is, it's cool, but I'm not going to just l- use Spotify only so that I can have Spotify wrapped at the end of the You year. need to invest the time into Spotify to appreciate Spotify because they're so good about creating playlists for you based on your listening behaviors, but you haven't invested the time for them right. to be able to I just And I don't that. think I could because I feel like it's the level of time and energy that you took like back in the day, in the LimeWire days when you were like trying to be on the first wave of like like the indie bands that no one had ever heard of and be the one to introduce new songs and like new artists to your friend No, group. it's nothing like it's that. It's that level of energy no, because not. you're all, you're so consumed with like curating what your Spotify rap will be for when you share it on Instagram one time. You do not have to invest nearly the same amount of energy that you did for LimeWire. Like there's no, it's not the same because Spotify actually like shares the genre. Like if you listen to one hip hop playlist and skip a few songs, that's enough for Spotify to know which hip hop artist you'll likely listen to. It's way more intuitive than where my Apple Music people at. (laughs) You're acting as if an algorithm doesn't exist on Spotify. Like it's pretty smart. I think we should move on. Okay. Yeah, this is a business show. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the first story. Uh, The World Cup. If you didn't know, the World Cup is going on right now. It's debuting a new high tech ball that's going to change soccer forever. Soccer, or if you're European, uh, football. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, Correct. what is it? Or Chilean. <laughs> yeah, true. Lat- or Latin American. Right. Anyways, when the World Cup kicked off, basically anyone who's not in the U.S. or Canada, it's football. Yeah. Okay. When the World Ki- Cup kicked off on Sunday, it debuted a brand new type of technology. The World Cup has added spatial positioning technology to its soccer Sheesh. balls. The move is being lauded as one of the most significant in-game uses of technology in sports history. And essentially the te- technology combined with existing optimal tracking tools will make video assisted referees and programs like offsite views more accurate and streamlined than ever before. This particular ball sensor was in development and testing for six years before receiving full FIFA cer- certification. You know, it's crazy when like a FIFA technology went through more rigorous testing than a COVID vaccine before it was approved. Snap. That's true. That's serious. Six years is intense, but you know what? People who are into fo- like football and soccer are really, really into it. Like I can totally see people like geeking out over this for a long time. And especially with big sports, like mm-hmm. sports is not just like a soccer game. It's a way of life and it's big business. So and people literally like fight, get arrested. Like they yeah, their life revolves around over it. different plays that happen in football. It's part of their identity. So honestly, so if like an offside call that goes wrong could like affect your identity for the next four years. Yeah, 
that you take that serious. And people like if they lose a game due to like a poor, poorly called like play, then it changes like how much an entire country, an entire nation invests in its soccer program for the next four years. It's true. So and I got to say, I, I feel like I'm more empathetic to refs than a lot of people are because I was, I did that in high school. I was a ref and I took a lot of flack from people. <laughs> from who? From parents. <laughs> Specifically um, hockey moms. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess if, if with hockey moms. Specific, it was hockey moms. Don't mess but, with moms, but especially don't mess with hockey moms. But I got to say both versions of football, whether it's FIFA, the World Cup or American football, those refs need help. Like they're blind, they're missing so much, they're making mistakes and it's messing with the the integrity of the game. Yeah. So any any help they can get, I'm all here for it. I'm not going to lie. When I got the show notes for today's episode and I had this article, I like skimmed the article and then like in the first few sentences, it talked about how some referees have to go into hiding and I clicked the link and spent like 10 minutes reading that because it's so crazy how people get so intense about like refs and the plays that they call that they literally have to go into hiding if they play like call something that's pretty contentious. Yeah. I mean, I've been in hiding before as a ref. Probably not with my life being threatened, but I was scared of those moms. Like, yeah, I would be. One time I was refing a bantam hockey game. It's like 12 to 14 year olds and they take it really serious. And a kid hit another kid from behind into the boards, which could like break his neck. Like that's one of the worst things you can do in hockey. So I kicked him out of the game and I literally had to hide in the, in the ref's locker room for like an hour after. And the mom was still waiting for me when I came out and tore me a new one saying I was ruining her kid's life. And how old were you? I was probably 17. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, you're almost an adult. So that makes sense. If you were 14, I'd be like, okay, hey, this mom needs to take a chill pill. But All right. So you don't feel bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still do feel bad for you. That yeah. would be scary. My life was not at risk, but I was scared. That's Should we talk wild. about the next story? Let's do it. Okay. Meta has been hit with a $275 million GDPR penalty for a Facebook data scraping breach. Are we surprised? Not really, because Meta does some sus stuff. But um, the specifics are... It's a massive penalty for breaching European data protection laws. So that's what the GDPR is. It's specifically for people in the European 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 Union. Um, so it protects its legislation that updated and unified data privacy laws across the union. And it went into effect in 2018. But Meta has had multiple issues with this. And I'm sure other platforms have too, but Meta is the one we all care about because that's where all our data is. So it protects the personal data of EU citizens. It affects any organization that stores or processes their data, uh, even if it doesn't have a business presence in the EU, which Meta does. But just for anyone that's out there that's maybe advertising in the EU or running social accounts out there, even if you're based here, the GDPR still affects you. So the penalty Meta got, it related to an inquiry that was opened in April of 2021, following media reports that more than 530 million Facebook users' personal data, including email addresses and mobile phone numbers were exposed online. And classically, Facebook tried to play it down by saying it was old data and it didn't really matter and they had fixed it since. However, that was found to be untrue. And so the the penalty was issued. First of all, who cares if it's old data? The fact that 500, what is it? 530 530 million million people people's data or pieces of, oh my gosh, people's data was compromised. I feel like that is so intense. $275 million fine for that kind of breach is not enough in my opinion. No. It's like a 
like a, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Meta and what they could pay to protect people's data. And the fact that this wasn't their first defense. Yeah. It's not the first G- GDPR issue. It's not the first data privacy issue in general, and it likely won't be there the last. Just over a year ago, uh, Meta-owned WhatsApp was fined 225 million pounds, which is around $270 million for transparency breaches. And then also Instagram, which we many of us use, we're literally on it right now, was hit with a 405 million pound penalty for children's privacy violations, even more serious. Back in March, the company was also fined around 18.6 million over a string of historical Facebook data breaches. So the issues persist. Yeah. When will it be enough? I think we are all witnessing the slow demise of Meta. Like they have such a stranglehold on so many things, but eventually, you know, your grip weakens and other things come to replace you and people's trust gets eroded. And I think that's that's what's happening over time. Here. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing, though, is that whether it's Meta or TikTok or whatever the next big social media app will be, it's just hard to know how your data will be protected and like what's going to stop these companies from sharing your data. Like at this point, there isn't anything besides fines, you know? So like, I don't know, you could find people all day long till the sun goes down, but like when, when will it actually stop? Yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with legislation enough to know if there's penalties beyond fines, but there's got to be eventually. Yeah. Well, Crazy. <laughs> on to the next one. Um, this isn't really interesting. It's a follow-up from our story that we covered last week, um, and it's the last story of the day. We have updates on the highly critiqued Balenciaga ads. As a quick refresher, Balenciaga issued an apology last week for its latest campaign that featured shots of children posing with teddy bears and what appeared to be BDSM-style harnesses. There was also a photo in a separate campaign that seemingly showed an excerpt from the U.S. Supreme Court case that upheld part of a federal child pornography law. Um, So those two campaigns in combination obviously is not a good look. Uh, Since then, Balenciaga took down the campaigns and posted a public apology. The photographer of the campaign issued a statement as well, noting that they were only there to light the scene and take the shots according to their signature style. And he noted that the photos with the court documents were not taken by him. Now, Balenciaga has issued a $25 million lawsuit against North Six, which is the agency behind the production of those campaigns, and as well as uh, Nicolas Desjardins, which was the campaign production designer or set designer, um, which is really interesting. So he, the set designer, actually also made a statement saying that he was uh, just part of a bigger team and that they were, the Balenciaga team was very involved in the shoot. And so he is saying that people are just using, or Balenciaga is using him as a scapegoat, which is, duh. Um, That's what it feels like. Yeah. So this is so wild. This story is still evolving. Balenciaga issued an apology, I believe, yesterday about it and saying that they're making um, some changes within the organization along with this lawsuit. So... We'll but it, yeah, it's it's frustrating because the apology is a sandwich between pointing fingers at other mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. So they made the apology because they have to, but what damage is it really going to repair? Totally. And I think being from an agency, I think I can say that it feels like a just a big facade to me because yeah. there's cute, there's quality assurance, but this is not that. Agencies are responsible for quality assurance for things like copy being correct, links working, you know, the right image going with the right piece of copy going on the right platform, things like that. But any type of actual creative direction or actual imagery or the focal points of imagery or anything like that, that always is the responsibility of the brand. Totally. Obviously there's shared responsibility, but it, it goes through 
multiple layers at the brand side and needs to be approved. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the brand definitely needs to take more responsibility over this. And it's really interesting to see, like, I haven't seen a brand, like, have this much of a a moment in terms of, like, their mistakes. And I honestly don't know what else they can do. And it's it's kind of, I feel like there's nothing without coming forward and really diving into, like, where this kind of, like, offense is coming from like obviously someone on their team has like some deeply rooted intentional made some intentional like moves yeah decisions to like have this part of their campaigns because i'm seeing too that people are diving into like past campaigns and there's these like books that have been used as as part of previous campaigns that also have like deep like evil like pornographic like uh, ties. I don't even know how to say it, but it's it's deep. Like it goes really deep. So they need to suss out whoever's in charge and making those decisions. And it's not just this like one-off production company. It's not just this like one set designer who worked on this one campaign. It's deeper than that. So until they root that out, I don't think there's like really a place for Balenciaga in pop culture anymore. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, this lawsuit is just a publicity move. When you think about agencies and contracts and and indemnity and like things like that. There's a, for an agency like North Six, I feel like there's got to be language in any of their agreements that releases them from that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be a little bit more worried about the individuals, like the photographer that they were they were pointing fingers at. But I mean, photographers the, the don't do of, anything like in terms of setting up, like figuring out the set. And like that, they just shoot. And the level of success that some of these like individual contractors have achieved, they've got to have legal counsel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. I think it'll get tossed. It's all a mess, but I really feel like the fault lies with Balenciaga. I think so. So we'll see what happens next. Anyways, that's our show for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. Now that we've bought your palate, go eat something more substantial. See ya.